So how do you balance the unknown backgrounds of your audience? Some of your audience is like very um, healthy Christians, have been Christians for long years, and some of them are brand new. So how do you make the transition in your planning from evangelizing to, you know, getting into nitty gritty details? Hey, welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Neglia. And I don't know about you, but for me, panel discussions are always some of my favorite times at conferences that I've been able to attend. Uh, I love a good panel discussion. And while we specifically avoid uh, the language of conference when we describe the Expositors Collective training events, Uh, They're certainly not conferences, Uh, but you know what? We do have panel discussions. And and like I said, they're always one of my favorite times uh, because you're able to to hear uh, the speakers kind of step away from their prepared talks and they're able to be asked just anything, you know? (laughs) Anyone is able to, uh, to, to grab the microphone and ask, you know, a panel full of experienced practitioners just whatever they want to know about and then get real-time answers. Um, I always love the even the interaction between the panelists as an idea is, is teased out or even applied further. So anyways, I know that you're going to enjoy this recorded panel uh, from September of 2021. Uh, we recorded this at our most recent training event, which was in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And uh, you're going to hear from uh, Dominique Doan, uh, David Guzik, Pilgrim Benham, John Gracie, Nick Cady, and then Pete Nelson is the moderator, but uh, he can't help himself but, uh, but chime in uh, throughout the, uh, the panel as well. So I hope that you enjoy this. Uh, I do want to take this opportunity to say that our next training event is, is getting close. It's February 18th and 19th in Costa Mesa, California. It's an interactive seminar. It's a training weekend. As I mentioned earlier, it's not a conference. A conference is where you go and you sit and you listen. Uh, a, a training event, it, it, it features you know these short, focused main sessions up the front, but then there's group work. There's an experienced and trained mentor that you're going to be assigned to. And you and your group, your little cohort, are going to work through the content uh, in a group. Uh, There's going to be hands-on experience. There's going to be instant feedback, as well as a few fun Q&A panels. So I encourage you to to go to expositorscollective.com to find out more details and uh, and register. Uh, I'll be there, Lord willing, and I, I hope that you will too. I hope to see you February 18th and 19th in Costa Mesa, California, for our next in-person training event. All right, here's a recording of our last one, and I hope to see you in person for the next one. So my question isn't necessarily on, on teaching, but I was just kind of curious, in the midst of busy seasons, I know you guys are all very busy, um, how have you guys found time to honestly just recharge and be with Jesus apart from conferences and retreats and whatnot? Hey, yeah, that's a great question, and I think it it carries the idea that because pastors and just not just pastors, but people in the ministry uh, um, are depleted. There's like no fuel. It feels like oftentimes. Um, I wish I learned early on in the ministry, and I'm a young guy, 
um, or at least I, I like to tell myself I am, but I, I think the way that I refuel as an extrovert is realizing, number one, that God has called me to this particular ministry to pastor a church. Uh, but first and foremost, God's called me to be a father and a husband to a family that, that you know, I, I'm, I'm a pastor to many people or whatever, um, but I, I'm the father to three girls, and I'm the husband to, to one wife. And so for me, perspective shows that there's power in saying no to certain things. And I, I have made it explicitly clear to our church, I don't want to miss my kids growing up. And so I'm going to take breaks. I think as ministers and just workers, it's like we can never stop because that's what we do. There's not retirement in the Bible. No, you, you're, you're called to, to watch your family and take care of your family. So for me to answer your question, I have to, because my personality is to never stop, to have my staff around me and my wife remind me to take breaks so I don't miss my kids growing up. So how do you do it? You just do it. You learn to say no to certain things and, and you just, and you do it. And that's not to be an excuse to be lazy because if God's called you to be a Bible teacher, man, you've, you've been called to an amazing thing. So we don't neglect the call in our life, but man, we can't neglect uh, the responsibilities in our life. As we move on, I have a question for David Guzik. So I want you to talk about, you have a great thing on commentaries about um, reading full. And do you know what I'm talking about? Well, yeah. It's a really um, it's good. It's not original to me, but who, who was it that it, it, you need to, I think I heard, and it probably wasn't original to him, but Nate Holdridge said. Okay. He said, uh, what you need to do is, First, with your Bible, read yourself full, write yourself empty. And then with your commentaries, the commentaries you're going to use, are read yourself full, write yourself empty. And again, as uh, Pastor Eric pointed out, in that order. Uh, but for me, I think through a text by writing about it, by writing through it, yes. by working it out. And I think that's common to a lot of people. So that... That just general idea of read yourself full, just you and your Bible, write yourself empty, uh, and then do the same thing with commentaries after that. Is that kind of what you were talking about? Yeah. Pete? No, that's, that's really good. Re read yourself full, write yourself empty. When you get to the number four stage um, that Eric shared with us, same thing. Write yourself empty, right? That That's right. And that, that kind of describes my general, mm -hmm. uh, you know, teaching prep or preaching preparation method. So, Yeah, I forgot we had Dominic Doan with us today. Welcome, Dominic. Talk, Hi, to, Dominic. Us about your, talk to us about your prep time. You, you've been known to be a Bible teacher, I believe. What, what was that question? <laughs> talk, to, talk to us about your prep. Oh, my prep. Okay. Wow. Um, well, I love, first of all, what, what Eric was saying. Um, it was beautiful. And I, I think I follow a, a similar model. Um, I like to have little buckets, um, whether they're Word docs on my phone or, or notes on my phone or Word docs on my, my Mac, and thinking through, okay, what, what are the next four or six weeks hold for me as far as speaking? Now, I'm, I'm in a slightly different season now, but I, I still practice the same thing where if I know certain themes I want to tackle over the next month or two, um, I will kind of say it's forgiveness. As I'm reading, thinking, processing, learning to forgive others, 
as ideas or inspiration come to mind, I'll kind of put them in those buckets so that when it comes time to actually sit down and write, I'm not starting from zero. Like, I've already got some content. For me, that's been just a very kind of practical, practical way. So I, I'm not just scrambling the last second. All right, I have a quick question for you guys. So how do you balance the unknown backgrounds of your audience? Some of your audience is like very um, healthy Christians, have been Christians for long years, and some of them are brand new. So how do you make the transition in your planning from evangelizing to, you know, getting into nitty-gritty details? Great question. I think a couple of you guys could speak into that. So the question was, how do we... So you have a mixed multitude, right? You're speaking to, you've got, um, you know, mature Christians, you know, struggling Christians, non-Christians, just all different people. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say as we approach a text of Scripture, we're addressing primarily, right? Sunday morning is primarily the, the gathering of God's people. So... Um, so my sermons are going to be equipping the saints for work of ministry, like Ephesians 4. Um, but not saying, okay, the church gathers for worship, scatters for witness exclusively. There's no witnessing here. There's no evangelism here at all. Um, I'm still going to, uh, in every sermon, just as we talked about with Christ-centered preaching, every sermon is going to have uh, you know, the roads that lead us to the gospel, that lead us to Christ. And I think that's not only for the unbeliever, but also for the believer. Um, and so um, to me, as I'm kind of wrapping up, um, what I do in my sermon prep or in my preaching is I actually have a separate time for application. So I actually say to apply this text, here are three things we can walk away with uh, or four things or sometimes it's two. But almost always one of those is addressing the unbeliever who might be here or might be listening because um, of the digital age. So I think, I think that's key, knowing you know, who our audience is and always getting it to Christ. That's for the believer, and it's for the unbeliever. Yeah, Eric, how, how do you approach that in your prep as you are thinking through all those things? I think sometimes it's really easy to assume that people know more than they know or that they are on the boat when they're not on the boat. And part of that is my own background of like growing up in the church, but, but really not uh, knowing, knowing Christ. Um, so I think it is good to, to keep in mind, like there's somebody that's either their first time or they've been here for a while, but they, they don't fully know who Christ is. And it is a difficult task because you also want to feed the, the mature uh, believer um, and relying upon the Holy Spirit to to give insight, you know, you have your your preparation, but then as you're you're sharing the word, the the Holy Spirit will uh, give insight of like, okay, it's go go a little further in this, or you start to read the room and you're you're, you're getting the vibes like, man, this person doesn't know what I'm talking about, or are they re- ready for me to go uh, deeper? But the best that you can uh, is trying to give something to the unbeliever, the new believer, and the mature believer so that all are, are, are edified. And that is the beautiful thing of teaching God's Word because a lot of times in a text, it'll have some of that for everybody. Um, so. cool. Real quick, does anyone else have uh, 
Anything to add to that? Anybody? Something I, helpful? Yeah, yeah. I just said, we've got um, the time. Eugene Peterson, he's, mm-hmm. he's talked a lot about kind of the power of place and using farming illustrations. I think he was influenced a little bit by Wendell Berry. Um, knowing the soil, knowing the ground, knowing the people. I think one real temptation in ministry is just kind of being in your own sphere, your own echo chamber. Um, but when you actually know your crowd, know your audience, like what works in Colorado Springs may not work in Portland and vice versa. Um, and being connected to the people, understanding the culture, being a student of the culture, being a student of the city that you're in, I think can bring some awareness, some humility, um, and a willingness, too, to speak into some of the idols that are present in that city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. You know, um, one thing I found helpful is thinking through when I'm finally putting my message together is hitting three areas. Because, we, you know, there's always a mixed multitude. You have people that know nothing, and you have people that are just growing. They don't know a lot. And then you have, and you want, you know, you want mature people in the church to, you know, make disciples of all men. So I try and consciously put work into my message on the topic or whatever text I'm expositing, three levels. So something that's very theologically solid and intriguing and important um, for those who have been around the block, um, you know, just, you know, in the middle, just good expositional teaching, but then making sure I put some cookies on the bottom shelf for people to really get, even though most of the crowd might be, well, we all know that, you know, of course, but I I do it anyway, purposely, because not everyone knows the basics. And I I try and think that through. I thought that's been helpful over the years. Pete, a few years back, uh, a lady came up to me after service and she said, "Uh, you know, I enjoyed church here, enjoy your preaching, but I just don't understand. Why is it when you guys give a book of the Bible why do you always give a time afterwards? So like when we'd say, you know, Acts 5.10, yeah. she thought, well, f- what happened at 5.10? I don't get it. <laughs> and, you know, to me, I, I mean, I was delighted with the thing because it showed how wonderful it is that we have people who come into our churches mm-hmm. who have absolutely no familiarity with those things. And we just need to remind ourselves from time to time that increasingly, as we become more and more secular as a society, you're going to be speaking to people. They have zero familiarity with the Bible. So don't speak in a condescending way, but speak trying to emphasize clarity and simplicity and, and just in a way that people who, if they have very little background in the Bible at all, they can still understand what you're talking mm-hmm. about. Yeah, because we can tend to make assumptions that, you know, yeah, great. And I, okay. I, I just want to add one more thing. The greater point is to remember that with any instance, like even now we're like telling you guys, all right, exposit the scripture that has 13 verses and do it in 30 seconds and make sure it's perfect. Like the point of these exercises is to teach you to A, have a spirit-led mentality as you're reading it. You're not trying to impress everyone because when you look at the life of Jesus, if the example is how do we minister to this all these different types of groups, we're spirit-led and Jesus met people where they were at. And even when you think about Jesus' relationship with Nicodemus, who should know and have be an expert of the law, and they're talking about what it means to be born again, 
like in his mind, he's mocking Jesus. So like, are you saying to be born again? You re-enter the, your mother's womb, and Jesus has to answer. And, and, and here's the point that I'm making. To Eric's point as well, I, I completely agree that we give a lot of people credit that they should know certain things about the Bible, but they don't. And that doesn't mean they're ignorant, and that doesn't mean that we're condescending, but it gives us the opportunity as we're spirit-led to look how Jesus ministered. He was a friend to sinners. He didn't just have an elite Christian country club people. He was a friend to sinners and met them where they were at. And I think that's the beauty of this. You don't need a microphone to talk in front of a group of people. As your spirit led, the Lord's going to show you that passage of scripture that you is probably going to minister to them, even if they're the, an atheist or an agnostic or a Muslim or someone who denies religion altogether, whatever it might be. So hopefully that encourages you. Great. It does. So my question is around the idea of whether um, having a, a something that you want to talk about and, and coming up with you know scriptures to talk about it versus having the scriptures and just saying what it says. So like in my case, going down to U-Turn for Christ uh, rehab and teaching those guys down there, I feel real strong to teach about uh, spiritual disciplines. So my, my goal is to teach spiritual disciplines. So I would look for a chapter that has spiritual discipline stuff in it and teach from that. Is that off from what we're talking about, or is that in line too? No, I don't think so at all. Just when you get to that chapter, just do a faithful explanation of what's in that chapter. Uh, and that's now, I, I'll be honest, not everything I teach is expositional. Uh, sometimes I'm doing a survey of a Bible theme or doctrine. And I'm, you know, just kind of, you know, okay, this is what this verse says about it. This is what this verse says about it. And hopefully, I'm being faithful to each verse in its context and explaining its meaning. But um, no, you can teach on a topic in a very expositional manner. You're just letting the text speak for itself and and, uh, you're just developing its meaning. I see that. Yeah, and you've said it before. Many a good sermon was ruined because of the text. So you, you go to the text, not that you're doing this, but you might go and say, okay, I'm going to, I've got this in mind. And then as you begin to look through the text, you go, yeah, that's, that's not what the text says at all. Um, so we have, to, we have to know if some of our sermons will be ruined by the text. Okay, so my question is, after you've done your teaching prep, do you guys ever, like, give your outline to a brother or sister in Christ. Like for me, it'd be a sister in Christ. Like, hey, what do you think about this? Am I, am, am I missing an angle or do you just go for it? Are you, let me clarify the question. Yeah. So you're saying just having someone talk, talk through your message. That's exactly what we're trying to do. You know, I think... Um, I'd like Nick, Katie, jump up there real quick. I want him to answer that. Um, and then you guys can jump on. Yeah, he, he does something interesting at his church. Yeah. And these are that's a great question. This is a big part of Expositors Collective. I was going to climb up like Eric. I could tell how – did you see Eric just climb up on the stage? That was awesome. I, he was a lot taller than me. I know I – I just have to like throw my stomach up there and then roll on. <laughs> it would have been weird. So anyway, um, okay, to answer your question, yes. And we're going to talk more about that tomorrow. Um, but I'll just tell you what we do for sermon prep because it's tied in here. 
Um, we have a group right now, there's five of us who meet on Monday nights. So whoever's teaching on Sunday needs to have an outline in some form or another ready to go Monday night at 5 p.m. I actually moved it to Tuesdays. Some of my group's here, actually. So Tuesdays, we moved it to Tuesdays. And uh, so we go through this and we meet and I ask for input. I ask for, you know, give me some more illustrations. The fact is I've only done like a few things in my life. I only have a few stories and I need more because if I just keep telling those stories over and over, people are going to hate me. So I, uh, I want input. I want to see things that I'm missing. And sometimes, man, I just get so much good input from having these guys uh, speak into it. And I want more of that. I don't want to just rely on myself in the room because, you know, I have blinders on, you know, my blind spots. If I were to ask you, what are your blind spots? You don't know. That's why they're blind spots, right? I, I need people to help me with my blind spots. That's why I want other people in the process. So I think it's uh, really a, a great thing to do. I have other people who send me their notes, and I may not comment on everything, but I'll say, hey, this is really good. Maybe this is a tangent. You don't need to go down, that kind of stuff. I would encourage everybody to be doing something like that. Okay, anyone else? Okay, we have another question. We'll do two more questions, and then we'll break. Awesome, thank you. Um, mine is a two-part question. Apologize up front. Um, but one of the things, um, so I was thinking about expository preaching and also the culture around us, and it's so often throwing messaging that's counter to Christian culture and I was wondering, um, how can we speak to specific cultural concerns through expository uh, preaching? Does that look like it is a little bit more topical at times? Or do you just, like, as you're going through the passage, relate it to what's currently happening in the climate? And then my second part is, how do you use discernment of when to engage into those conversations with the congregation? Great question. I think, I think Dominic should... Answer that, hey, yeah, and then hey, whoever Pete, else. Pete, do you mind re repeating the question real quick? Okay, he, his question was, um, as we're expository preaching, he's looking for wisdom and um, just your your guys' ways and and not just your opinion, but how do you engage the cultural, the culture of today, wherever you're? I mean, how how do you do that? How do you think through that in your prep? Yeah, so I, I think it kind of ties into knowing your audience, but more on a macro level. Um, you know, Jesus, I, I'm all about expositional through the Bible teaching, but I think there are times where, you know, Jesus taught topically, he would speak into certain issues. And for me, um, my default is teaching through books of the Bible. Um, but then as issues arise, uh, the city of Portland burns or whatever. Uh, you, you hit the pause button. There are certain things you need to talk about. There are certain things you need to unpack. And so that could be as simple as before we get into Scripture, I make an announcement. We talk about it. We pray about it. Or it could be a whole sermon series. Like, we need to go deeper in this. This is obviously something that's shaping our culture. So it needs to shape our hearts and imaginations as well through a biblical framework so that we know how to respond uh, and, and give an answer the hope that's within so mm -hmm. that's good and can i just add to that um that's really good um what what eric was talking about we've got our favorite bible teachers 
through audio, through podcasts, you know, and it's a big mistake. What you're saying, who's, where are you ministering? What are the idols of your, the idols in Colorado Springs might be different. They may be more like religious idolatry and conservatism and things like that. Where you live, it's completely opposite, right? It's liberalism and, but it's, it's that with every urban center in the world. And if you, you gotta, you gotta bridge that gap and you gotta know your culture. And this is a big mistake, I think, if you, you know, it's okay to listen to sermons. I mean, those are like commentaries and all that stuff I do, um, read, but, but don't take, their, their um, homiletic may not be your homiletic. And we're going to get into homiletics later. It may not, you got to speak to the people and the issues that they're, they're dealing with in your, um, and I guarantee how you um, bring it home is going to, it's going to be, the same text will be different with every one of you in this room. So I just wanted to add that. To, yeah, I'll, I'll make this quick, but to answer your question directly, here's what, what I believe. Number one, I believe that if you preach expository expositorily then every one of your messages will actually be a topical message in a way because your goal is to show what the text says and you're only going to teach a certain number of verses your goal is to expose the meaning the heart of that certain number of verses and in a sense it will have a topic now in the same way something david mentioned earlier is that it is possible to teach topically in an expository manner. So we're not just playing golf, right, where we, we hit the ball and then we just see where it lands and then we pick up where we left off. Like We're being intentional, saying in these verses there's a thought. Also, if we need to address a topic, we don't want to just address the topic and then have the problem of, oh, no, what Bible verse do I find that can support what I already think? Right? Instead, we want to take a passage which speaks about that topic and exposit it and help the people to see what the Bible says about this topic. And, and we, um, we do a fair amount of topical teaching at our church, but it's always expository. So we did a series on, on doubt and faith, right? And we did a series on um, what was when we did a post-resurrection appearance of Jesus, but we're going through those verse by verse and exposing the text and the big idea of that particular passage. We good? All right, one more. Hey guys, thanks for being here and sharing with us. It's awesome. So um, I'm just early on in learning how to teach and just trying to get better at it and um, be clear and concise. And something that I'm trying to grow in is I I type my you know sermons word for word, and I'm I'm wanting to get to a better place of where I can leave room for the Holy Spirit or where I can. Uh, you know, to, like not look at the iPad for 45 minutes, <laughs> you know? And so I feel like that's just where I'm starting, but I want to get better at that, leave room for the Holy Spirit to change what it is that I'm saying or leave those spots for him to speak in the moment that I didn't necessarily prepare for. So any advice on that would be awesome. Thank you. There's some guys I know, or at least I've heard of, that they, uh, they memorize their sermon so that they can feel like they have a freedom with it. To, to me, man, that, that would seem like a lot of work to me. So I, I don't even consider that. But um, 
There was a time in my preaching ministry where uh, I would go to the church every Saturday night and I'd preach the sermon to an empty church because um, it was really helpful for me to run through it. And, and occasionally on certain occasions, I'll, I'll still do that today, uh, just preach it to an empty room. But um, that was very valuable for me for a season. And that, that might be the kind of thing that really gets you familiar with your notes or whatever it is that you have in front of yourself. So when you do have your occasion to teach, you have the opportunity to do it, and, and you've already uh, had that familiarity with it. So that, that's just something to consider and very practical. I really like that because um, I usually preach uh, to an empty room every Sunday morning. So, that's right, yeah. yeah that's it right. works out really good. Yeah. I think this is a big question that I th- just by raise a hand, who like really gravitates towards that question, just the process of notes and just presenting it? And the reason why I'm asking that is because it really comes down to this. Everyone's process is different. My father has a manuscript, and he reads it word for word, and he does a great job at it, and that works for him. Some people teach to, to an empty room to just get a feel for it. For me, I have to read my notes out loud because sometimes what we read makes sense, but when you say it out loud, it's like this is the dumbest thing I've ever written. I'm so glad I said it out loud because it doesn't make any sense. But I think because you guys are figuring out what that looks like, A, to be just, you know, show yourself, have a little grace with yourself because the way that I teach now is not the way I taught 15 years ago. And, that, and thank God for that because, you know, it, it's, a, it's not just a skilled thing. It's, it, it takes time and it just takes day-to-day work for it. So for the pastors in the room specifically, there's a book called Nick... Eight Hours or Less. Who's the author of that? Ryan Hughley. Yeah, Ryan Hughley. He really helped me in terms of how, during the preparation time, take what would sometimes take 20-plus hours of preparation to narrow it down to 8 to 12 hours. And that really helped me because, again, as a dad, time is precious, and I want to be able to give the best sermon, spirit-led sermon that is Christ-centered, but not neglect my family. And so I, I think here's, here's the, the point, that figure out what your process is and then what you're comfortable with. For me, I can't do a three, four-point sermon and just read. Pastors get in trouble. They'll talk too long, like what I'm doing now, or talk too short. Or they'll say something like, I shouldn't have said that, and if I had notes down it, I would have had the discipline to be careful. So it just it depends on the individual. I'm sure each person in here has a completely different method. But for me, that's kind of how I do it. Ryan yeah. Hughley's book is listed in your uh, workbooks, just if you, in case you want to find that book online. Can I piggyback real quick? Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're sharing, whether it's to three people or 5,000, you are communicating. So you, you want to get whatever your method is down well enough that you can make eye contact. You live or die by eye contact. And you live or die by your body language. Like, if you walk up like this, and your head's down, and your hands are in your pockets, and you're like, open your Bibles, you're dead in the water. You know, you're, you got to... Your confidence is in the Lord, not in yourself, but to walk up, 
man, it's so good to see you. Let's open up our Bibles. I'm looking at you like you're communicating. You're not just reading like so if you know it well enough where you can look down, but then you can you can share it. That's a really good goal to aspire to. But it takes time. But I think especially in our movement, we're rightfully so so content driven that we forget that we are communicating. So so it, we're, it's content, it's truth. The content comes first, but you are communicating and communication comes through your eye contact and your body language. And it comes through on this topic of proper um, preparation, right? And I guarantee if we had more time, every one of these guys and, my, and myself or anyone in this room who, who's a teacher, our prep looks totally different. And I think John said it well that not only in, uh, well, in prep, what works for you? I think we got some good um, essentials. Thank you, Eric, for that and some input on that but it all looks different with your different schedules and all that and same is it with with how you your presentation all right well thanks guys so much um again loved listening in on that uh thank you uh in the show notes uh for this episode there's some links to a few of the interviews or even the main sessions that uh, some of those guys have already done. So if you want to hear more uh, from any of those speakers, uh, make sure to check out the links in the show notes. And again, uh, you are invited to come to our next training event. It'll be hosted by Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa uh, in the month of February, the 18th and the 19th. I'm going to be there. I hope to see you too. Okay, I hope that Uh, This training event, uh, this episode, and all that we do at the Expositors Collective helps you to grow in your personal study and public proclamation of God's Word.